I'm coming in hot. Welcome to Living Off the Land, the All Things Cleveland podcast, with your hosts, Jordan, Jimmy, and Dan. Follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. Yeah, coming in hot. Coming in hot. Just like the fajita. Like the fajita. I write what I live. Write what I live. My life in the speaker. I'm nice with the flow. Nice with the Just like the demeanor. Like the demeanor. I'm feeding my fam. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. All right, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is LOTL episode 79. We are coming to you from two different places. Don't ask how we're doing that because it's magic. We're coming to you from Cleveland. We're coming to you from Columbus. We are the All Things Cleveland podcast with a little bit of a twist and a spin for you. A little Columbus flavor tonight. So I'm Dan, here with Jordan, my normal co-host Jordan. And that's me. Coming back again is our Columbus correspondent. You know him on Twitter as Jordan the Hoff. I know him as Mullet, but it's Jordan Hoffman. How are we doing tonight, gents? Glad to be back. I've got theme music uh, and a title. Yeah, you got a couple titles. Uh, so uh, Jimmy is not here with us. He got called into a event with his internship last second. So uh, Jimmy's in Cleveland. Jimmy's in the CLE, but we're not going to do that segment tonight. Because uh, he's not with us. Hey, at least that segment's going to be loaded the next time. I know, right? <laughs> so what's up, fellas? How we doing? I'm doing great right now. Jordan? Seabus, Jordan? Had a wonderful day today, and uh, it was a beautiful day down here in the bus, so can't complain about that. That's right. Great. The bus. The sea bus. What do you guys call it down there for sure? Is it sea bus? The bus? Seabus, uh, like I said last time, I think is one that uh, has kind of caught on. We had our our unfortunate Lumbus incident, but I don't think that ever caught on. Lumbus? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Lumbus. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, good to hear, Jordan. So just to uh, kind of go through what we're going to be talking about before we get into it, uh, we are going to be... Talking some Columbus flavor with uh, the Hoff tonight. Um, Jordan's got some stuff to talk about regarding the Blue Jackets. We're going to talk crew with their new stadium. Um, he's going to do a full on... Uh, <clears throat> we were going to do a preview before the season started, but um, scheduling conflicts didn't allow us. So uh, we'll kind of talk about the beginning of their season and then kind of some of the important themes uh, to look for as their season goes on. Um, like I said, we're also going to talk about the crew. They just broke ground on their new stadium that they're building. And um, we are also going to talk about some, uh, <clears throat> well, we have a Columbus area brew, right? It's Columbus, right? Well, I, it's actually Cincinnati, but they have a big brewery in Columbus. And okay, they also so. have a, a really unique hotel brewery thing. Okay. As well. So that's in Columbus. So we'll, we'll talk about they're, that. They're big in Columbus. Let's just put it So there. we've got a Columbus-ish beer, and then Jordan in Columbus has a Cleveland beer. So we'll get into uh, both of those as our brews of the week. Uh, we have a top five of the week, which uh, the Hoff came up. I'm just going to call you the Hoff. Yeah, do that. Yeah, if we're, I keep we're saying Jordan, yeah. One that uh, Hoff came up with, uh, we're going to talk since, you know, we're in the we're in the Halloween spooky you know, 
evil type season, as some people say. We're going to talk about our top five favorite villains slash bad guys. So we'll get into those. Some interesting ones there for sure. Uh, we're going to get into our poll of the week, which is Browns related this week. Uh, since we're recording earlier in the week, um, we're coming off of that big controversial loss against the Seahawks. And uh, we wanted to know, do you blame the refs or Freddie Kitchens more for the Browns' loss against Seattle? So we'll get into those results and give our uh, opinions. Um, oh, I got to say this right now because I don't want to look like an idiot. Um, Brewdog is definitely not even an Ohio beer. They have big, they have big breweries. And I'm sorry, I'm just gonna have to say this right now, uh, and then I'll we'll resume. They this. I screwed up. This is not a local beer. We'll get back to that later. <laughs> it's a great brewery, but it's not. You'll you'll laugh when you learn where it's from. <laughs> you had one job. You led us astray. <laughs> oh my gosh, boy, we really look like fools right now. Whatever. <laughs> We're talking about a Columbus area brewery and a Cleveland brewery. Nope. Well, hey, at least the Cleveland one is. Where Cleveland. is it? So where is this even from? Uh, do you want to do this now or do you want to Just, wait? Give me where it's from now, and then we'll. I'll give you one we'll guess. It. One guess. Just you if one. you say Pittsburgh, I'm throwing it out. It's not Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, Scotland. <laughs> what? It's not even in the U.S. <laughs> I know. I know. I screwed up so bad. What I is don't the know. matter? Okay. With it? I I got confused. Wait 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 wait. I got confused. Because it's uh, it says Scotland on the box. I know, I know. <laughs> they well, do, it does say brew. They do well, brew. Technically, they, it's brewed in Ohio. They do brew in Ohio, so the you know there's that. But it's a Scottish <laughs> beer. Oh my god. Okay. It's a technicality, but I think we can allow it. It's still, it's, you know, it's something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Alright, let's get back on track. <laughs> Unbelievable. The things that, the things that we do. Um, I don't even know where I was. Um, oh man. So, we are also going to, we're going to... We're gonna try. We're gonna talk about that poll, and we're gonna talk. You know, I I got out all my venting on the post game show this week, um, but we'll we'll kind of talk about it just a, a little bit because it's our poll. But since it's the Browns bye week, I kind of want to detox myself from the Browns. Um, obviously, there's no Indians to talk about, and there's uh, not much Cavs to talk about. So this is going to be a Columbus sports uh, episode, and then uh, you know we'll talk about our top five, which which is pretty interesting this week, and. Uh, all that good stuff. Jordan's got an event to preview that we've talked about that is uh, pretty up. pretty special to us. Um, and then Jordan went on an East Side Brewery tour last week. He went on a, we well, we went on a West Side Brewery yeah. tour. Jordan went on an East Side Brewery tour. Didn't think to invite me, but it was last second. We mm-hmm. were in the area. Sure, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, we kind of alluded to it, but uh, let's let uh, Hoff go first. Uh, what are you drinking down there in Columbus, Jordan? There it is. Oh, there nice. Well, I can I can hear it. I can I can tell what it is. I say I've been waiting throughout this entire debacle to pop this open, and I am drinking a platform Becky blueberry apple ale, which uh, I guess would technically be a cider. Looking on the side, it says it's with uh, English cider yeast. Yeah. So. So. This time so. Of year, I'm all about cider and Oktoberfest. Thought oh I yeah. Would do something that uh, we both could do with platform, but apparently. Uh, only find it down here in the bus. Well, it's definitely up here. I just I couldn't find it. You would at have the, had to have gone two platform, yeah, probably. Yeah, something probably uh, like that. Yeah. But um, it it's it, it's kind of funny. So the the guy who has only been on our show, this is now his second time. 
we've done damn near 80 episodes, uh, gets a Cleveland beer, and we get a beer from Scotland. <laughs> when, when we're the All Things Cleveland podcast. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and just take this segment over for a second and explain <laughs> he, what he went, want me to make I want to explain what went wrong. So I, I guess I never Googled BrewDog or even looked them up. I always knew that they had a big brewery in like Cincinnati and in Columbus. In fact, Columbus has a, brew, a hotel brewery. Which is like, I don't know, at the time it was like one of the first of its kind or something, right? So I always assumed that BrewDog was a, was an Ohio beer. But I googled it and quickly learned that's not the case. So just a, a quick <laughs> brief history, because why not? Uh, they were founded in Fraserburg, Scotland, wherever that is. And I guess, well, they opened oh, up their first bar in Aberdeen. The <laughs> so they actually operate 50 bars in in the uk and 24 international bars um anyhow so there's a whole bunch of them and there's 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 several i guess in the us as well um like i said there is a just like a tap room in um in columbus as well as that ho that like hotel thing mm -hmm. so eh, i mean they do brew here in ohio as well so it's they're kind of just they have a little bit of a a local twist but I was very wrong. Stre you're, stre in, uh, you're, you're stretching. <laughs> you're like, no, man, I'm well aware. I call you Stretch Armstrong. I'm well aware I'm stretching here. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the beer I picked is a beer I do like and I've drank many times. Cannot believe I never noticed the Scotland, Scottish thing. But it's called <coughs> Elvis Juice, and it is a grapefruit-infused grapefruit IPA. And I think it's very tasty. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> Scottish or not, I think it's great. <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't even know what kind of beer it was until I cracked it open and took a sip. Uh, not bad. Yeah, no, it's not bad at all. It's pretty I, good. I actually think it's very drinkable. Yeah. I'm really not a fan of grapefruit, but, you know, it's pretty good. All right. I mean, if Elvis liked it. I mean, yeah, you, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What are uh, what do you think of the, uh, the cider you got down there, Hoff? Uh, very nice. It's got a very clean, crisp to it. Um, it's honestly, um, I don't want to say it tastes very strong. Uh, it's a 6.5%, so I'm sure it'll probably hit me later, but it uh, it goes down nice and smooth. Yeah. Does it taste like a cider, or is it more, I've heard some people describe it as like a, in between an ale and a cider. Is that how you would say it is, or? Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit between. Um, it doesn't quite hit you as juicy as a cider, but yeah. um, the smoothness definitely comes um, more as a cider than an ale. But yeah, I'd say that's probably accurate to say it's somewhere in between. But you do get a nice apple and blueberry um, fix with it. So nice. Definitely cool. drinkable. All right, cool. Well, thanks, Hoff. Appreciate that. Uh, Go check out uh, Becky at Plat. You can get a platform for sure, mm -hmm. and obviously it's going to be better on draft. It's but. a seasonal, so I, I think you could still probably find it in like a specialty beer store. Um, you could probably yeah. still find it. Yeah, any beverage store, or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Um, well, cool. So those are our brews of the week. Um, we always like to keep it uh, local, but apparently we decided to go across the we, pond. We so. went international this time. Yeah. Well. You went international. I'm not taking credit for that. <laughs> not all right. Down with the ship, eh, Captain? Nope, nope, not me. Not at all. Never. Not when there's a clear party to blame. 
<laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get into it. This should be pretty interesting. Let's talk about our top five of the week. Let's do villains and bad guys. Hey. Jordan, go. So which whichever one of you wants to go first. Uh, why don't we have the Hoff go first? All right, guess this first. This was his idea, and I want to hear his idea. Let's his, uh, do it. Top five. All right. Um, so most of mine, I guess, looking through them, I went movie bad guys. Um, so my number five, going with the classic from the great Christmas movie, Die Hard. Yes, Ooh. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. He got, got a very smooth, dark, and dapper villain. Uh, he was kind of the first of that type, kind of the the new style of being, you know, suave rather than kind of the grungy outlaw that you normally think of. Mr. Uh, one of my favorite parts of it is now because he was in the Harry Potter movies. Um, yep. Alan Rickman as Snape. Yep. Looking back on that movie and just imagining Snape uh, criticizing John McClane throughout the entire movie. <laughs> so you got the German going, you've got the Snape going, you've got a lot of good stuff going there. <coughs> oh, that's amazing. Hans Gruber's so good. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> So good, so so good. Yeah, now you're going, you're going from uh, five to one in order of like, like number one is going to be your favorite of all time, right? Yes. Okay, got it. I mean, I wouldn't say that I painstakingly put these in order, but yes, at, at quick right. list, I would say these are my 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 five to number one. Uh, so I had a tie for number four, basically, because two different uh, Bond movies did kind of the same idea. And that was Alec Trevelyan and Raul Silva. Um, Alec from Goldeneye and Silva from Skyfall. You have former MI6 operatives that went rogue and then you know came back to try to get James Bond and MI6. And the thing that I loved so much about that is you're trying to fight against somebody who knows your every move because they knew you so well. They know how yeah. you operate. They know what you're going to try to do. Um, one of my favorite things about Trevelyan was in the um, statue, the old Soviet statue yard, uh, when he's telling James, put the gun away. It's insulting to think that I haven't already thought of your every move. Hmm. Quick, uh, quick fact, and you guys, I don't know about you, but Jordan might yell at me. I've never seen a James Bond movie in my life. All right, There's a lot of them. For me, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to watch. I've, I, I've played... Uh, Goldeneye probably for 700 hours, but... Okay, that gets you back in my graces. <laughs> I actually, back when Blockbuster was a thing, oh, yeah. um, you could get a free old movie with every new release. Yep. So whenever my mom would go and get whatever she wanted to watch, I actually had a little checklist of all of the old James Bond movies and huh. went through one by one. Uh, at one point, I probably had five, six, seven of them on VHS. Um, <coughs> But yeah, definitely a, a series I was always a fan of. I uh, I really liked that you picked uh, Raul Silva. I I always thought he was um, a solid villain. I, I really oh, yeah. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed him. Golden I haven't seen in so long, so I can't remember much. But uh, I should probably watch it again. But the, yeah, no, that, those that's that's unique. I like that. Um, and I am very surprised Dan has not seen at least one James Bond movie. I'll say I'll say I've never seen a full James Bond movie. Okay, like I've always seen. Glanced through them. 
<laughs> I really, I really like the Daniel Craig ones. I'll always, I think, yeah, I think I'll, those I'll always see them on like TV and yeah. stuff. Um, but I, I won't ever like watch them all the way through. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, Rebellion Two. Going back to that line I was talking about. Yeah. Um, in the game, when you meet him and you've got a weapon out, he says that. So one time I tried to be a smartass. I was like, okay, well, what's he gonna say if I don't have a gun? And he actually put a line in there where it just goes, oh, no weapon, James. Is MI6 hurting that bad? I was like, oh, my goodness. You actually put some good work into this That's game. funny. <laughs> that's why GoldenEye is so good. No, that's a, yeah, it was a game. Timeless. Top tier That game. game is absolutely timeless. Uh, so number three, I went with the T-1000 from Terminator 2. Nice. I'm shocked he's not. Well, actually, you know what? Another kicker that will probably make him uh, even that might make him even higher on your list. You know where the T1000's alma mater is, right? I do not. Is Robert Patrick a BG Graham? He is. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one football game in ten years, and Robert Patrick. So he got something going for him. Look you. out! Look out! <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to come swinging. I had to be ready. <laughs> but uh, some. I mean, what what is there that is just so frightening about that is the fact that it's unrelenting, it's emotionless, yep. it can stalk you however it wants to, it can sneak through things because it just turns into a puddle, it can go under doors, uh, it can be the person that you, you know, it could be the person you love, and all of a sudden you've got liquid metal through your skull. Yeah. Um, Fun part about that, I'm glad that you mentioned Mr. Robert Patrick. Uh, if you want to go down a YouTube rabbit hole, uh, <laughs> look up some of the things that he did for that role. Uh, yeah. He would train, like trying to run marathons. Uh, at one point when they were chasing John Connor on the little dirt bike, uh, they actually had to up the horsepower on it because he was catching up to the actor on oh. Oh, wow. the dirt bike because he had <laughs> taken such uh, care of himself. To oh run, um, and he would breathe through his nose while he was running to make it look like he wasn't gasping for air the entire time. Oh, really? Further that role of being just a relentless killing. Yeah, man. just like just like a, yeah, exactly like a cold-blooded like robotic. Yeah, and just even how he uh, shoots guns in the film. Uh, if you go back and look, there's times where he doesn't even blink as he's firing it, and just his rapid-fire succession, and the fact that he doesn't hold on to the weapon mm. after it's empty. Because it's useless to him after that. Right, right. Um, outside of when he's in the helicopter with the uh, MP5, and then he's got the forearms to reload it, as well as pilot the helicopter, which was wonderful. Yeah, that's that, that's a top tier villain. I, I I I'm glad you put you put him down. That's I, I like. Oh, those, yeah, I mean, it's a, those he's movie, a Falcon. Yeah, those movies are great too. He he rolls along. That's what I would say. <laughs> he's a Falcon. Oh. Good stuff. Number two for me was uh, Hans Landa from oh. the Warriors Bastards. Christoph Waltz were just an amazing Oh, performance. yes. Um, the thing about him is, like, you want to hate him because he's just he's, he's awful. evil. He's yeah. cunning. But the entire time, like, just the performance that he's giving you, like, you can understand where he's coming from and how he's doing it. And then just the tension in every scene, even from the get-go, the opening scene with the, the farmhouse and the Jewish family under the floor, you know, you're sweating it out and you're just watching the film. You can only imagine what it's like being, you know, in that world. Oh, for um, sure. And the whole time he's just laying it out 
exactly I think what's happening and he's always a step ahead it seems like right and I think what's so unnerving about him and you kind of touched on this already but it's the fact that like you know once you see that first scene you know that after that if someone does something to essentially piss him off you know that he's going to do something in retaliation but he doesn't do it like in a choppy gruff rough way he has to do it and in, in almost like a gentleman a gentlemanly way to kill someone and and like you mentioned that the tension of all his scenes are unnerving is unnerving like that scene in the bar for instance is probably one of the most intense scenes i've ever seen in a movie and it only has what maybe like 30 seconds of action like the majority of it is just him talking you know it's 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 real he's an incredible villain and and, and uh, i forgot the actor's name but he really nailed it he really nailed it. yes that's right that's right yeah but, i almost credited him with uh, raul silva but i forgot that that was um i'm blanking on his name now but he was uh, oh the actor Chigurh. Yeah, he was Isn't sure. it? Wasn't it Javier? Uh, Javier? Um, yeah, Javier Bardem. Bar- yeah, Bardem. <coughs> good, good I choice. Say, it's probably not fair for me to have two Christoph Waltz roles, and then I was like, oh well, I only have one anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and uh, my number one is the Joker, and yes. that goes for me across all Batman films. Okay. So just in general, like the I the the the. The Joker in general. Yeah, because no matter who the actor, they're always a dangerous sociopath. It mm. could be the funny Joker that you have with uh, the early iterations of the TV show. Um, it could be Jack Nicholson, who kind of played, you know, a little bit of the slapstick, but still, you know, was killing guys with feather quills and hand buzzers. Right. Um, <laughs> all the way to the more current iterations um, that you have in The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. But just always, you know, no matter what, it's kind of the same idea as your Hans Landa. He's always a step ahead. If you mm-hmm. think you've got yep. it figured out, there's nothing to figure out because, as Alfred said, it's just a man who wants to watch the world burn. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that's scary about him. There's really nothing you can do to get to him. Like, yeah, no if you, he even says, like, you know, if he literally wants bat. I'm speaking specifically of the Dark Knight trilogy Joker. Heath Ledger Joker, like he says, he wants Batman to kill him, and it's not even really so much a suicidal thing as much as it would be. It would like give him, I guess, joy or fulfillment. Uh, Fulfillment, exactly, because he knows that he would have fully gotten in Batman's head, and that means more to him than surviving and making Batman's life miserable, which he was already doing, and it's like. When you get that dark, it gets just really unnerving and really weird. Um, yeah, no, great. I'll talk a little bit more. We'll 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 talk about this more in a in a bit. Um, uh, Hoff, did you see the new Joker? I have not yet, so I, I did want to throw that disclaimer out there. I would imagine um, from kind of the mixed reviews that I've heard, it still goes along those lines. He, I, I saw, I saw the movie. Um, it's a very good Joker. I would say it's on, it's in the same vein as the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, it's weird though because with the Heath Ledger Joker, it was so jarring and so offensive, like right off the bat. 
I, you, I, I felt like a little panicky watching the movie at first. I was like, oh my goodness, like how does anyone defeat this guy? With this guy, you don't really get that dread. It's more so like a slow burn. At first, you're like, oh, I kind of feel bad for him. Because um, you just see kind of he's, well, cause he, the, he's got it bad. Well, it details you know? how he turned into the Joker. Exactly. So, it, so this is an interpretation of how he became what he is. Um, and it deals with a lot of actually very deep subjects like mental health and abuse um, and loneliness. So I actually okay. thought it was brilliant. LeBron says we're not allowed like to talk about, about the Jokers uh, in particular is because there are so many origin stories you have. Correct. You know, whether he was Jack Napier right. who fell into Nevada chemicals or whether you've got the idea of um, in the killing joke, one of the things that I love about him is when he's you know talking to Batman and he just goes, you know what the difference is between you and me? One bad day. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. what can take someone from being you and turning them into me. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to kill you. Yeah, what would I be without you? Yep. Me. Yep. Oh, <laughs> man. Great villain. You have nothing with all of your strength. Oh, yeah. That that was the part that really got oh, when scary. He, in the interrogation when, room? When, yeah, when you're like, oh, my god. When you goodness. thought, like, oh, you're Batman's like, going to snap and he's yeah. actually going to kill him. And you're like, but that's what he wants. Like, right. That's what the Joker wants. He wants to break Batman. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. All right. Good well, stuff. Yeah. Hoff. All right. Thank you. Gons. You want to go next? I'll go next. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to go from five to one. Number five is the Scarecrow. Um, I really love the Scarecrow for a lot of reasons because Scarecrows kind of scare me. <laughs> so, and so are you talking in general? I mean the Batman Scarecrow. Okay. Yeah. In general, though, Scarecrows scare me. Right. And... The I love the concept of the Scarecrow in the Batman series. I really love... I'm going to keep referencing this because I love it. The oh, Dark Knight interpretation of the Scarecrow was Dark Knight is one phenomenal. of the best movies of our generation. Right. But the way they used like he, the hallucinate, the hallucinogenic, how do you pronounce that word? Hallucinogens. Hallucinogens. The, yeah, Hallucinogenics. The, the, yeah, yeah the, way, the way he used the hallucinogens to um, distort everyone's reality and then they'd start hallucinating... And the voice got all deep, and he, you know, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, that was like, whoa. That was such a, a cool interpretation. And they made him like, yeah, I, I just, I thought it was a great villain. And other iterations I've seen of him are, are great as well. Um, I just think it's a classic, a classic villain. Um, One of my favorite parts of him in that movie is the fact that the, the character of Jonathan Crane being just kind right. of this like, weakling nobody kind of like a nerd honestly he was yeah. kind of nerdy and i love that persona and how they play <laughs> that and then just how he's um in the third one how he is the judge in the uh yes the that's i forgot about that yeah yeah he comes back yeah, yeah right yeah oh, guilt has been predetermined this is merely a sentence death <laughs> or exile <laughs> yep i thought some people, I guess, didn't like that they kind of brought his character back. <coughs> I personally liked it because I thought there was more to him than just, okay, well, uh, he his role's over in the first one. So I was glad that they brought him back. Uh, he also yeah, he's well, briefly in The Dark Knight as well. But. 
And instead of just saying, you know, here's the scary guy in the burlap sack mask again, right? Like I said, you know, you bring back the character who's right. still there exactly. because clearly, if he's being kept in Arkham because Batman doesn't kill people, he right. puts him in jail. Right. He's going to get released. <laughs> Absolutely. Number four, Agent Smith. Um, I love the Matrix, specifically the first one. And well, I like the second one too. The third one I could have done without. But I love. Made too. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I love Agent Smith. There's just something so corny but believable and cool about him. It's like a weird mix of things that shouldn't be mixed in with each other. But I, I thought he was both kind of almost at times a little cartoonish. But then it, it fits so well with the with like the punk. The cyberpunk vibes that were going on. He was just cold and calculating. I thought he was great. I thought he was, was a great villain. And I, uh, I th- what's his name? Hugo. Is it Hugo Weaving? Yes. Yeah. I thought he, he was a perfect person to play that role. Um, so, yeah. Agent Smith is number four for me. Uh, number three is Gollum. I know he's technically an antihero or whatever, though, whatever, however you would describe him. But... He's, you know, he's a villain if you think about him and, and if you think about his role in the books and in the movies. But what an excellent in, like depiction of a tormented person who is who, who has two different ideologies and two different goals going on, gone in his head at the same time. And it's just phenomenal how, how well they portrayed it, in, especially in the movies, I thought. But... Um, and he was portrayed so well with CGI and, and, the, and the voice acting. I just thought he's, I just thought he was an amazing character. You, you kind of want him to succeed, but you know, he keeps doing things to break that trust. Just overall, I thought he was a great character. Um, number two for me is the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Um, now, I'm sure this is controversial for a lot of reasons. First of all, he's technically a monster. Uh, Jordan, you brought something up to me that I think you should introduce right now. Um, what was it that you told me earlier about what, why you didn't like that I put T-Rex in here? I won't say that I didn't like it. I just said I might challenge you on it in the fact that, in theory, when you really go back and look at it, the T-Rex, again, like... Uh, in the way that you're saying with Gollum is kind of the anti-hero and is actually in the later movies kind of the hero um, you know obviously throughout the first movie you know it eats the lawyer it's trying to get the kids we think it's this bad thing um, but then at the end obviously it saves the day by distracting and killing the raptors so that they can make their getaway and then in the later movies right. it seems to be the one that's still trying to claw its way back to the top of the food chain against the what is it, the Indominus Rex yeah. and the other iterations that come Spinosaurus, yeah. So I, I agree with you um, to a certain degree. To me, Jurassic Park, the first one, is, is just so far above all the other ones. Um, and, in, and in that one, he's he's more of a villain. I do understand what you're saying, though. He, uh, he did act as a distraction and... and and, and, and you, you can't help but root for the T-Rex. I mean, what kid doesn't just love the T-Rex? Like, that, 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 is, the, that is the crux of the movie <laughs> to a certain degree. I mean, it is the, he is the king of the lizards. Um, 
And, and as you go down with the, the, the newer iterations of Jurassic Park, and even Jurassic Park 3, he is just straight up kind of the hero. So I guess he's not exactly a, a, a villain, but he's played that role. And, you know, he's not really out for the, the heroes of the movies. So that's why I consider him a villain still. But yeah, no, I I, I, I do agree with you to a certain to a certain point about that. Uh, number to answer your question, oh. I would say that uh, Tim and Lex might not have seen him as a hero. There you go. That's you yeah. Say what kids, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Those the, two might not. Have. You're right. The, that's that's actually a really good point. Even yeah, that's that. <laughs> the roof of the Ford Explorer, you know, coming right. Right. He's, he's gonna eat the goat. <laughs> Well, you know what's funny about that is I guess when they were filming the first movie, the kids actually got really scared at times because the animatronics were so real and so loud and so overwhelming. For that time, I, yeah. I guess there was moments where the crying scenes that they had were actual tears. <laughs> and like they had to like, hey, comfort the kids afterwards when, when the scene was over. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually incredible because it really put out a great convincing scene number one for me is the joker um i won't say too much more because we already talked about it i just want to clarify for me specifically the dark knight version although i do appreciate the symbol of the joker as as you know mark hamill's joker in the animated series is amazing i really like the new movie joker uh with um um joaquin joaquin phoenix wow i almost forgot his name joaquin um you know, there's been other good versions of the Joker as well. And just in general, like the comic book versions, there's so many great ones. It's just a great villain. It, to me, he, he is the iconic villain. He is evil personified. He is the, the like, he is the most evil of most of, like, villains that I've seen. So, yeah, that's that's number one for me. Mark Hamill's voice is actually terrifying when it's it is. It is. And it's the funny thing is because you don't think of it, like, unless you've actually seen the animated right. series or yeah. some of the newer ones. Or even the video game, Arkham. You, even if you played oh, Arkham yeah. Asylum, which he, he's the Joker in that as well. And it's, like, real, real scary. Yeah, I mean, like, you just think about it and you're like, this guy is Luke. Like, right. Like, he is literally, <laughs> he is literally, like, the, the goodest of good, like, characters in all he, of, like, cinema history he wanted to go get power converters yeah i mean like it's it's weird that the same guy like (laughs) is is the joker yeah he's like he's like uh he's in he's like he's like batman he's incorruptible yeah but then he plays the joker on the animated series yeah so it's creepy (laughs) all right dan all right my top five i um I would have put the Joker, specifically the Dark Knight Joker, in my top five, but I knew you guys would both, so I'm trying to be a little bit different. I did go with a villain from that series, though, so my number five is Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Great choice. I freaking love Bane. Mm-hmm. I love the obviously the best part of of his entire character is his voice. I was also going to ask I, if it was just because he destroyed Heinz Field. <laughs> oh, that's oh, right. that too. <laughs> that's a good point. I, I, I knew there. Such a lovely, lovely voice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's, let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. It, he, that, they really took... They really took an already iconic villain yeah. and made it somehow more famous, and it just shows you the brilliance of, you of Christopher Nolan. You merely adopted the dark. 
I was born in it, molded by it. I did not see the light until I was already a man. <laughs> by then, it was blinding. <laughs> Would My you... favorite part of Bane is that it actually, to me, um, buried the terrible Bane that they did mm. for Batman and Robin. Thank yes. you. Thank you for saying that. I yes. agree with yes. that statement. Absolutely. The concept of the super strong Bane is awesome, but the fact that he was almost basically just kind of a dummy for Bane yeah. and right. was very, very hard. Right. I actually blocked that out of my mind. <laughs> I really did. Like I, yeah. I, I just until like now, you bringing that up, did I remember that that he that he was in uh, that movie? Well, you know what's funny too is they still kept a lot of aspects in the Dark Knight Trilogy's version of Bane. They still kept a lot of aspects of Bane, such as his addiction to drugs. Right, right, right. And they, but they played it in a more believable manner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, five uh, Bane for me uh, is five. Number four, we're gonna we're gonna kick it old school and get a little uh, childish here, but Scar Uh-oh. from the Lion King okay. is my number four. I was very happy to see this. Yeah. Oh, I, Scar like. Just, just, just the, like, he's, like, I know it's a, you know, it's, it's a cartoon animated movie that we grew up with. It's Disney. But, like, this guy literally kills his brother, tries to kill his nephew, (laughs) and essentially makes the rest of his family slaves. Yeah. To get what he wants. Like, literally, like, like a lot of these other, uh, a lot of these other villains, you know, they'll, they'll kill and they'll. Um, uh, do evil things to people like they, they don't know. Scar is doing this to his family. That's a really good point. Like the dude, I, yeah. The dude literally killed his brother. Yeah, yeah. And That's then dark. thought thought he killed his son by sending him away and sicking the hyenas after him. Right. Then he comes back, and then not only does he first blame his nephew Simba for his father's death. Then when he thinks that he has Simba dead, he whispers in his ear, trying to make Simba's final thought before he died, that Scar actually killed his father. Yeah. Where he go? Where he's got him on the same cliff, I, has his claws dug into his paws, and just says, "I killed Mufasa." So you just listed like a whole bunch of really villainous. Uh, Characteristics: uh, First of all, physical violence, right? Uh, verbal abuse, yep. emotional abuse, yep. like all kinds of psychological manipulation. Yeah. He is a pretty awful villain, right. I guess. I never put it. I never right. thought of it like that. And he has his evil henchmen, the hyenas, the hyenas, <laughs> who eventually turn on him. Uh, so, scars number four for me. Number three for me. I I went back and forth on this. I, I wanted to do. Uh, I I wanted to do either uh, the Emperor or Darth Vader. I went with the Emperor because Darth Vader eventually turns good in the end, before before he dies. Yeah. He goes back to being Anakin Skywalker and realizes all the bad that he did and all this, blah, blah, blah. The Emperor is just straight evil to his core. Like, there's yeah, there's no... Yeah, there's no going. There's no, really. there's no going. I mean, like, even when you, like, you know, we we try not to reference the... the the prequel Star Wars, you know, episodes one, uh, two, three. But when he's actually, you know... the guy that has the Darth Vader no sound effect... Well, that's, you know, that's, hey, that's when he actually turns into Darth Vader. You mean, uh, no. wait. You mean this one? Yeah, yeah that, that one. one. Yeah, well, it's James, it's James Earl one. Jones, so it's, 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 it's Vader. Um, but anyway, uh, 
yeah, so I picked Emperor because he's pure evil. He always was evil, even though in uh, episodes episode one, uh, he was technically the way that you saw it. He was a good guy, even though even though it was kind of foreshadowing near the end of the movie. Um, and then he just slowly up until you know episode three when um, when Anakin realizes that you're the Sith Lord. So I want to say this. I actually really liked the base idea in the prequels of how Anakin went from a cute right. little boy to right. the evil. They just picked dark. literally the worst actor to portray. I agree. And but like the step, the raw steps from A to B, I liked, and I, I found yeah. it very believable. Again, you said it right you there. You brought him they, here to kill me. They they just picked the worst actors possible to oh, portray God. that, but they they did a really good job with the the, the basis the basis of you know yeah. those the, steps. The, the best actor out of those first three films is uh, is Ewan McGregor. Oh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Except for the best one, but they killed him off in the first movie, which was Qui Gon Jinn. Yep, <laughs> I forgot. Qui Gon was the man. Uh, I. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, yeah, just yeah. like he's, he's like pure evil. Well, he's for he for six movies. Would you say six? And now, if you saw, if you, I'm, I'm assuming you saw the trailer for this this yeah. next Star Wars coming yeah. out. Did you hear heard his the laugh? Or the, oh yeah yeah. In at the end. Yeah. The emperor's not dead. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. or he's a force ghost. Or so, yeah, some sort of hologram or something. <laughs> what? That's what I love about the Star Wars. You know the the six movies, the original six. Yeah. That you know, in starting with four, and you have Emperor Palpatine, and then you go back to Episode One, and it's like, oh, this is Senator Palpatine, and in the back of your mind, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. This could turn bad. Like, yeah. So is this like? So is this the Emperor's like cool, uh, good brother, or like what is this? And I agree. That was also a cool. Yeah. The way they showed that was really yeah. cool too. Uh, so I guess there are some silver linings to the uh, number two. Jordan's gonna get a ki- Hoff's gonna get a kick out of this. Uh, number two is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Look at him. Yeah. Uh, so Vince, uh, I I just I for one he's an evil genius like in real life. <laughs> I mean this guy this guy literally has turned a company where the outcome it's it's a male soap opera that he's turned into like a four billion dollar company. Like, he's an evil freaking genius, number one. And number two, he probably in the 90s played the best TV uh, uh, villain in that decade of being Vince McMahon. Like, his his uh, rivalries with Stone Cold and uh, going back and forth with The Rock and Triple H and all that stuff. Like, <clears throat> he is incredible. And he's still going. The dude's 73 years old, and he's still, he's still going. So... That's what I love about it is that you have both aspects of it. I mean, you have the real life, and like you said, where you know you could see it as an evil genius, and then you have the right. character. And right. Either one really fits this bill. Right, and and they he developed his care his TV character off of the perceptions of him in real life. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so number two for me is um, is Vince McMahon. Number one, uh, this isn't like a movie or a TV uh, villain. Um, this is just the number one villain uh, of my lifetime uh, of anything <laughs> in the world. You can talk about dictators in countries, you know, all over the world and stuff like that. You know, evil. But to me, pure evil lies within the soul of Art Modell. Yikes! 
That's right. Art Modell. Yikes. What's that? I can't fault you with that pick. Art Modell, uh, because of his own ridiculous uh, business doings and basically going bankrupt as Brown's owner, ripped one of the most iconic franchises out of Cleveland and took them to Baltimore, like under everybody's nose. And uh, now we haven't been good since. That happened in 1995. We haven't been good that's, since. That's rough. Like that. Those are those are my formative sports loving years. That he ripped three of them away from me. I went away and rooted for the Green Bay Packers for three years before coming back. He ripped the foot. Like I don't. I can. I can get into. It would. It would. I would go into it for about half an hour. So I'm not going to. Yeah. No. I. Um, <laughs> I understand. Just everything that led up to the reasons why he moved the team. If you can't, if you can't financially pay for a football team, sell it. And you know what's funny? He went to Baltimore and he bankrupt that franchise too, and he was forced to sell it. So don't talk about the fact that oh, because because Cleveland wouldn't build me a stadium fast enough. No, <laughs> no, you went to Baltimore, got a brand new stadium, and you bankrupt that franchise too, and you had to sell it to their current owner, Steve Bishotti. Yeah, just, he's uh, one of. And the fact, the mere fact that that man is up. Uh, to be voted into the Hall of Fame this year is utterly ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's some corporate speech. There's right there's there. there's no there's absolutely no reason for him to be in the Hall of yeah. Fame. None. Yeah. He was a I terrible would, I owner. Would agree with you there. Yeah. Terrible. He li- he fired he fired uh, two ba- probably the two greatest coaches in NFL history, Paul Brown, who's responsible for a lot of the things that NFL teams still do today. He was a pioneer of the modern game. And then he fired Bill Belichick. <laughs> the two the two greatest coaches in, in pro football history he fired. Insane. But yeah, Art Modell will always be my number one villain. All right. So that's our top five. That was a good that was a that good was in depth. Those were good. I like those. Yeah. That was in depth. Uh, update real quick for those who care. Uh, the Nats scored seven runs in the first inning. Shut up. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they did to the Cardinals. They, they did to the Cardinals what the Cardinals did to the Braves. Yep. Uh, almost. And if you know if you know me, the Cardinals are the team I hate the most in Why ML- is that? MLB. So, first of all, they were the, the Astros rivals in the 90s. Oh, when the Astros were in the NL. Yeah. Okay. And second, they spied on the Astros for several years and disrupted. I remember that. Actually made a really big mess for the Astros for a couple years. Um, I remember that. So there's that. Yeah, yeah they actually had they actually had uh, some of their front office personnel go to jail. Uh, the guy who did it went to federal prison for yeah. like seven years or yeah, something. Yeah, that's crazy. It was like the FBI got involved in everything. That is crazy. Yep. All right. Well, now we now you know why Jordan doesn't like the Cardinals. That's so, right. Go Nats, so, right? Go Nats. Uh, at least for Although a few the Nats more. are kind of like at least for a few more games. Starting to kind of freak me out. Like, like are they the actually that good? Yeah, like yeah. I, yeah. Well, they're that it happens it's that every, wild card thing, It happens man. every few years in baseball, <laughs> yeah. man. The wild, there was a year where your hated Cardinals Yep. Won, 80, oh, won yeah. 83. They went 83 and 79. Yeah. They were essentially in, like if like if we were playing the NFL, yep. they'd be an eight and eight football team getting into the playoffs and winning the World Series. Yep, yep. That's what they did. Yep. That was in 2011, right, or something? Some no. Nah, it was it was back. I think or 2006. Like, that was I think like, it was 06. Okay, yeah, that was way yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, this has nothing Anyways, to do with yeah, what we're yeah, talking yeah. about. Thanks, yeah, exactly. Jordan. Appreciate that. Sorry, I uh, just want to give an update. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it with uh, with Jordan down there in C bus. Let's talk some. Blue Jackets hockey, 
What's going on down there in Columbus, Jordan? Oh, well, I mean, if uh, if you didn't already know, uh, the Blue Jackets lost three big names in this offseason. Uh, it might have gone under the wayside. I don't know if anybody in Ohio heard about it because uh, no one talked about it, so it's hard to say. Right. But, was it just uh, was it just looting? Sure. Was it just losing guys to free agency? Yeah. So we had three guys on expiring contracts um, in Sergei Bobrovsky, Matt Duchesne, and Artemi Panarin that. Uh, you know, we didn't get uh, a new contract signed, and then they weren't traded at the deadline. If you remember from our last talk, uh, it was right. a playoff preview. Yeah, right. Um, which, you know, we got that uh, amazing sweep over the Lightning and finally got past the first round. So, yep. you know, it's a great memory that we'll always have. But then uh, after that, getting into a chippy series with the Bruins where they eventually went on to uh, win that and then actually won the conference. So taking a little bit of solace, I guess, in that, that, you know, you lost to the team that went to the cup finals, but yeah. it was kind of another year for the CBJ where, you know, you think you got what you might need to make it, and then you just can't quite get over that hump. You know, got over the I, small hill, you know, the next one just tripped you up. I, I, I got to say this, though. I mean, I my, my roommate's a diehard, and me and him watching that series against Tampa Bay was awesome. Like it was just, it was really something else to, to see incredible. that. I mean, I, I know it, I know they didn't do what, what everybody wanted them to do, which was knock off the Bruins. I mean, that would have been awesome, but yeah, they had a two, but, one lead in that series didn't they? and then they lost three yeah, in a row, I think, or something like that. Right. Yeah, Is that what it was? That, yeah. I yeah. I think they had a two, one um, lead. And, then I, and in the first game, I think it went to overtime. So it was one of those where, you know, one right. bounce could have turned. In. Yeah. But, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, they, they were up two to one because I know uh, Jordan's uh, boy, Dave Portnoy, was taking a lot of crap for it because he's a, he's a big uh, Boston sports fan. So a lot of, a lot of people from uh, Columbus were giving him crap on social media. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I still, you know, I will still see it as a success in the very least of oh, you absolutely. Know, having that oh. knocked out. That was knocked out of somebody that you you weren't even supposed to hang. Everyone was joking about, oh, right. yeah, you know, oh, yeah. they'll steal a game. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Especially when the way that game one started, you go down three nothing. I, I was even at home watching it and going, oh no, this is this it's you know this is how it's going to go. Yeah. And then they they claw back, they get the win. And, you know, you're excited for that as a Blue Jackets fan. You're like, oh, okay, you know, we came back. We didn't, you know, just mail it in. And then just the domination throughout that series, I mean, it was incredible to watch the fact that, you know, not only were you hanging with them, but in a lot of ways it was like they didn't have an answer. Um, right. It was incredible to watch. And then the moment, you know, it's, it's clearly not up there, you know, to the fact of, like, the Cavs winning the title, but watching – Watching the empty net goals go in at the end of Game Four, yeah, knowing that you were going to win that series, knowing that you were going to knock off Goliath, right, knowing that you were finally not going to be that team that was well. Everybody in the NHL has won a series eh, except for the Columbus Blue Jays, right, <laughs> right. To finally get that off your back and to do it in such an amazing fashion, I mean, I'll still enjoy that. You know, the ultimate goal wasn't there, but. It's For sure. still something you hold on to. Oh, of course. So then going into the offseason, um, you know, having that departure after those was really difficult. So you've got Sergei Bobrovsky goes down to uh, Sunrise, Florida to be a, a Panther. Boom. Okay. Guy, guy wants sunshine, whatever. Artemi Panarin goes with uh, John Davidson, your uh, head of hockey operations, to join the New York Rangers. 
Okay. The guy wanted a big city. Whatever. And then Matt Duchesne, who apparently just loves country music and went to Nashville. Like, that was the funniest thing to me, was that that's what everybody was saying, was the reason of why he's going to pick Nashville over Columbus. Well, I mean, he loves country music, and he does. Little known to me until after the fact was that he actually, like, produces or, uh, you know, has an active hand in that. So I can kind of see the fit for him there. Um, So then you lose your big three that got you where you got in the playoffs. And you're trying to figure out, okay, well, with what's left, what are we going to do? And the thing that the CBJ did was they bolstered up a lot of their younger guys. Um, You know, we still have what basically everyone kind of calls the core here in Columbus. Uh, You've got your Cam Atkinsons. You've got your Josh Andersons, the type of people who are on long-term contracts. Cam Atkinson basically saying he wants to spend his entire career here. He wants to retire here. Um, it's kind of that Cleveland Browns, uh, it's not, uh, if you don't wear brown and orange, I guess if you're not wearing new yeah. blue, you don't matter. Uh, but that's kind of what we've had coming out of this is, you know, we want people that want to be here. Um, they were able to sign Gustav Nyquist, who was a longtime Red Wing and then was traded for the Sharks and had a great playoff series for them. Um, how old is he? He's, he signed, um, he's getting up there, isn't he? Pulled up. He's not that old, uh, but he did sign a four year um, I think it's 22 mil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on July 1st of uh, this year. So well, that's good for you. That's good. Signed up for a while that is going to stay here, which is good. He's only 30. So, I mean, yeah, you got veteran, veteran quality in him, but still young enough, I would say. Yeah, 30 is not a bad, that's not a bad age at all. So you've got kind of that core coming up. And then basically you've got a lot of the young faces that either came up either through the playoffs or just through injuries last year. Um, Guys like Alexander Texier, the kid's only 19, and he's looked great in the first five games here. Um, It'll be nice to see him. He came in in that playoff series and was able to – you know, be a contributor, be a guy that wanted to hang, be a guy that you could see as the new face of your uh, franchise. And now seeing him being able to put a whole season together will be very interesting, um, especially with uh, some of the line mates they've been pairing him up with. So tell me, um, what do you think, what do you think of the start so far? Like, how, how are you, are you concerned or, or like, what, what are your thoughts so far on, on the start of the season? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Um, obviously, the first couple games where you get off to an 0-2 start, you're just thinking, oh man, is this really the way it's going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, because in losing Sergei Bobrovsky, you lose a Vesna-caliber goaltender, and you've got his backup from last year, uh, Junis Corposalo, uh, who has been a guy that in the past, if you know, you gave him some regularity, has been able to show some flashes. And then a very uh, hyped youngster from Latvia named Elvis Merzlikens. Okay. Uh, he came in, and the basic the thing with him was not that he so much refused to go to the AHL, but basically made sure that in his contract it was. Uh, if I get sent to the AHL, you're still paying me my NHL salary. So basically kind of forcing his way, saying, I'm good enough. I can be on the NHL roster. Yeah. Um, So the the throw up this uh, beginning of the season was going to be, well, who's going to be your starter? Is anybody really going to take the reins? 
And in those first two games, uh, you had Corpusalo, who I wouldn't say played poorly, but definitely didn't look as comfortable as you would hope he would, um, you know, for a season opener and lose that game. It's uh, two games back-to-back, and so then they throw Merzlikens in against the Penguins, and it's, it's a rough start for him uh, in a 7-2 to loss. And, you know, Tortorella left him in there. Uh, you know, sometimes after, you know, that fourth, fifth goal, and you're just seeing that it's not that goalie's night, you might pull him, give him a little relief. Yeah. I think it was a little bit of a message of, you know, hey, you said you were going to be good enough, so you're going to, you know, be held in the fire. You know, it's a learning, a learning experience that, you know, you still, you're still a young kid. You still have a long way to go, um, but we're going to stand by you, you know. So he didn't get sent down or anything, but those first two games were a little tough to watch. Um, but then they're starting to come together. You see the things that make you happy. You see the young guys putting in the effort. You see Corpusalo getting a little bit steadier in the games that he's playing. He's not over-pursuing the puck. He's not trying to think too much. He's trying to play you know, sound positioning. And I think the biggest thing for this team this year is they're going to need to rely a lot on their defense because I think that's their stoutest point that they have. Um, they've got Zach Wierenski. Hopefully, if we can keep Ryan Murray healthy all season, which has been a big um, big thing for him is injuries. And then uh, you got Seth Jones, who I would believe is probably eventually going to be the captain of this team. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually happened to Nick Foligno. I'm actually surprised he isn't already. I remember hearing that some. I feel like people have talked about Jones being the captain before. Uh, he is an alternate, so he does have uh, those roles. That, okay, maybe that's maybe um, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, and definitely on um, the power play, he's considered you know kind of the captain of the power play. He's a very offensive-minded defenseman. Um, so he's usually kind of quarterbacking that. You usually have a defenseman that can run your power play for you and really get everybody into motion. So yeah, yeah. he's definitely a leader on that. And you know, you just watch the guy play, and it's just it's all heart. I mean, he's laying it out. Uh, he consistently logs like some of the highest minutes in the NHL. I mean, as a defenseman, he's playing you know thirty plus minutes out of a sixty minute game, night in, night out, and is consistently you know, being that top-tier defenseman that they need. Yeah. All right. Well, any other things we need to discuss about the Blue Jackets? Um, like going back to the playoffs? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like, like if, you could, if you could pick right now from what you've seen so far, like if you had to just yes or no, do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Uh, my gut tells me. It's going to be a really tough season, but I would say okay. they'll they'll probably be kind of where they were last year, where they're going to sure. be that uh, seventh or eighth team, probably a wild card spot. It just it's never easy in this division because you've got Pittsburgh, you've got Washington, you've got all these meat grinder teams um, that have that kind of star power and that are consistently every year, you know, bringing it. So winning the division is going to be extremely difficult, but. Being a wild card team in the East, I could definitely see that happening for him. So I'm going to say yes, uh, with the caveat that it's going to be it's going to be an uphill battle, and it's going to take more team chemistry um, rather than just leaning on star power. It's going to be a lot of scoring by committee and trying to get those young guys uh, playing up to their potential and getting some of your veteran guys to really bring that experience. 
So do you think they could be uh, a team kind of like they were last year where they, they made some moves at the deadline to kind of help them with that final push to get into the playoffs? I could see that. I don't know what assets they would have really um, because last year they did give up some of their um, draft picks in order to bring Duchesne in. Right. Um, but I could see them being somebody that, yeah, tr- you know, is right on that bubble, thinks if, you know, maybe we can add this piece. Um that they can do that. And like I said, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I wouldn't be surprised um, to see us kind of in, you know, hopefully that giant slayer mode again, where, you know, no one gives us a chance. Cause I think that's how that, that's how that team works. When you give them expectations, I think they have a, a bad habit of crumbling under them. Right. But when nobody believes in them, that's when they play with that chip on their shoulder. And I think you really saw it in the, the lightning series, you know, I'm sure they heard it. They knew that no one was giving them a chance. And they said, you know, what? Well, we're going to go out, we're going to play our game and we'll show them that it's, you know, it's not going to be right. sweet. We're going to take it the other way. Yeah. So they, they, they definitely thrive in that underdog role and really just, they, they had no pressure on them in that series. And, you know, so hopefully, with house money right, point. right. So hopefully, you know, maybe, you know, you don't want to constantly every year be squeaking into the playoffs and play as the eight seed, but you know, maybe that's something that they continue to thrive off of. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right, cool. Um, so uh, we appreciate the uh, the Blue Jackets update. Uh, we're gonna follow the Blue Jackets along uh, as the season progresses. Uh, let's talk a little uh, MLS specifically. We're gonna talk about uh, the new Columbus Crew Stadium and. Uh, I know Jordan Gonzalez and I have seen the the renderings and all that and what we think of the stadium and how the how the new stadium's gonna look and everything. I just kinda wanted to get your your input and uh kind of what your thoughts are uh as they kinda transition into this new era. Um, I was very happy to see it. Um obviously I think that was one of the biggest points in the Save the Crew movement was you know, you're going to need to do a new stadium because, you know, Crew Stadium being the historic place that it is, being that first soccer-specific stadium uh, in the United States, you know, it's got a lot of history. It's got a lot of tradition. It's in a terrible location. Oh, it absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, there's, there's literally nothing around it. Exactly. And, you, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go down to the fairgrounds. Right. Yeah, there's nothing really we can do before, during, or after. So right. this, um, as we kind of touched on the last time I was on, you've got it right downtown. It's actually considered basically the capstone of the arena district. So they're using that as, you know, this is really going to bring it all together. And when you look at it, it's interesting. It's kind of all in from uh, from west to east. You have new Crew Stadium. You've got uh, Huntington, right. uh, the ballpark for the Clippers. Right. And then to the east of that. You've got Nationwide Arena. I love the fact that they're basically putting New Crew Stadium close to the river. Yeah. Uh, I love that it's going to be in the Arena District. So yes. you actually have I, stuff I, around. You've got places right. you can go. I, so when I visited Columbus, I mean, I've been there before, but last um, earlier this year, I uh, kind of got to actually explore it a bit. Like I stayed over for a couple nights. It was a work event, but I made it kind of like a whole thing. And it was, um, it was great, great experience. Really loved the arena district. And now that I've seen that and knowing that they're going to essentially, you know, be adding another major aspect to that, well, another arena, basically, you know, it's, it's a perfect location. There's a ton of stuff to do around there. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a really positive, 
uh, improvement on what they have now. Um, oh, yeah. I, what do you think, though, about the size of the stadium? I, I understand that it's MLS, so you know they're never going to have anything too crazy as far as um, stadiums go. But I was a little disappointed because I was kind of hoping it would be a little bigger, at least in the 30,000 range. And then they could consider even using it in the future for like international games or or you know the World Cups. Suppose it's 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 finalized, right? That it's going to be in Canada and the U.S. Yeah. And I was thinking even maybe they could expand it for the World Cup. Then, oh but yeah. That, I, I mean, I guess that's silly because there's enough football stadiums in the U.S. But, yeah, those will all be played at NFL stadiums. Well, for sure. But I, I don't know. We, I just I just want to have a quick discussion on what we think of the size. Is twenty thousand too small, or is that just about right? I mean, in my eyes, I think you're getting to this point where people, unless they're diehards and you've got an experience that's worth going to, I don't think it's worth overbuilding your stadiums. That's what I like about right. Huntington Park. It knows what it is. It's a minor league baseball stadium. It's literally like smack in the middle of the downtown area in the arena district there. And it holds as many people as it needs to. I think with a, a soccer-specific stadium like this, you're going, you know, 20,000 I think is good. You could say that it's a little bit on the small side. Um, but take kind of the problem that Ohio State basketball runs into. They're using Value City Arena, which <laughs> yeah. is way too big. Yeah. And you've got games where they do it at St. John's Arena, the old uh, arena that, you know, is still yeah. on campus, and they do almost like heritage throwback nights yeah. there where they'll, they'll play a couple games a year there. I and love... You get that more intimate feeling. I love when Ohio State basketball plays at St. John's, especially watching it on TV. Um, um, I mean, you get that old field house look to Sure, it. absolutely. Um, it's, it's packed. Like, yeah. that's the thing. I think if you give yourself a lower capacity, you obviously give yourself a better chance of filling it up so it doesn't well, look right. empty. Right. Um, and then you give the people that are there a more intimate feeling. I mean, I think that's one of the things that, you know, like people say about Jerry World. It's like, yeah, it's amazing, but when you're at the very top, you can't see anything. Right. So, well, that and you, like. You build something that's smart enough for what it is, it knows what it is and what it's yeah. going to be. Well, I mean, I, I like how you, I, I love how you brought up uh, uh, Jerry World because, yeah, that stadium is absolutely massive and it's incredible, but. Uh, the Cowboys have a hard time winning there because it's so distracting. There are so many distractions in that stadium. And the Cowboys historically, since it's open, have not performed well there. I'm sure it's not a, I'm sure it's not a direct correlation, but it has something to do with it. Number number one, it's a huge stadium. So the the acoustics of it and how loud it gets uh, is going to be different than a stadium where you feel like the the stands are like right on top of you. It's more intimidating for an opposing team. Um, I I think twenty thousands right around where I think it should be. I think maybe you know you could probably do twenty five and be okay, but the crew have a hard time drawing anyway. And I think that obviously it's always going to be a Buckeye first city, right? That's just the unfortunate reality. Yeah, I think the new stadium obviously is going to help, especially early on, uh, because people are going to want to see the new stadium, and it's going to be a new energy for the franchise. But uh, they're not going to draw twenty thousand unless they win, right? I mean, it's not the it's not the NFL where it you could be the worst team in the NFL, and you'll still and you'll still sell out the the stadium. 
Yeah. Um, Here's a throwback for you, Dan. Do you remember back at Iceland when uh, oh the Barons made their unexpected playoff run? <laughs> and we had a playoff the game gun, there? Yeah, the gun was being used. Yes. When it was the gun. Yep. Uh, for Disney on Ice. I remember they already, like, sold the time for it. Yep. They so, played a playoff we, game at a local... Yeah. Uh, ice rink that Jordan and I worked at when we were in high school. No way. They played a, they didn't a, do a, it they like... played an AHL. Oh wow. There are no other. They couldn't like, do it oh, at the queue because it was. Uh, Wolstein Center doesn't do. Wolstein Center doesn't yeah. have ice. That's right. Wow. Wow. So. So, so that's the, hilarious. The cool part was, you know, if you're only averaging a couple thousand, and you imagine two or three thousand people in the queue or the, the right, what is it, right, mortgage field house, whatever. Um, Take those same 2,000 people, put them in your local ice rink. I mean, we built, they built bleachers. They put temporary bleachers up yep. on both end zones. I remember that. We used our, our bigger side because we had two rinks, and it was packed. Oh, and yeah. I can only imagine that that must have been for them, like playing in college again, where you've got oh, yeah. people basically just right on the glass. Right. It's loud. The noise isn't going anywhere. It's right. like right at you. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like it's it's like the it's like the BG Ice Arena when it when it's packed. Exactly. I mean, so I that, mean, it's one of those things where I feel like you know, yeah, you could say it's a little small, but imagine you know if the team is good, and yeah. you've got the Nordecki, you've got twenty thousand crew fans in there. I'm pretty sure it's going to feel plenty massive. Oh yeah, and especially because they. It'll kind of have like a pseudo like roof on it, like it'll have an opening where the field is, but there there will be uh, like coverings where the uh, stand where the stands are over top. So um, it it'll, it'll definitely get plenty loud in there, for sure. I I, I love the renderings. I think it I, yeah, I think it looks, I mean, it looks really great. Um, I love I love how they're um, how they design the Nordecki. Um, I, uh, I love that they're going to have a brewery or brew hall or whatever the, the mm-hmm. term is that they used yeah. in it. I think that's super cool. Um, and I just th- I just think it's it's cool because, you know, they have the new era with the new ownership and, you know, it's full steam ahead. I mean, they're not they're not messing around and delaying the delaying a new stadium or anything like that. Like, that's the first thing that they identified when they came in was like, we, yeah, we need to get out of uh, – crew stadium i mean like you said jordan it has its history it's the you know it's the first soccer only stadium in the u.s um but you know it i mean it it basically is like a higher level high school football stadium at this point Mm -hmm. oh yeah i mean it's just it's just it's aluminum bleachers all the way around i mean there's like you know so i think it's good for a change i think it's going to re-energize the franchise i know they had a tough year this year um but uh, I mean, the the hardest part about that is they didn't even know they were going to be here. I mean, they right. literally got right. you know almost put together at the last second. You know, right. you, you know, you win the team, you're happy and you're you know excited about that. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, well, congratulations, you have your team. Um, you know, now you have half as much time to try to sell your season tickets, and you, your entire fan base wasn't sure if you were even going to be here. Yeah, yeah. Go and try to win now. <laughs> Right, exactly. All right. But, uh, in yeah. addition, uh, kind of going one last thing on there, uh, sure. something I loved about the press conference was uh, MLS commissioner, uh, as we call him, Dong Arbor, having to <laughs> there and just know that he was wrong the whole time. Right. And having, uh, is it what, J.W. Johnson, the son-in-law of yep. the Haslam's? Yeah, he's, he's the... basically just calling him out going, uh, 
Well, hey, Don, I mean, we all make mistakes, right? Yeah, he's the executive VP for the Browns, and yeah, he's, he's the owner's son-in-law. He's he's basically going to, he has the keys to the Browns, basically. When uh, when the Haslam's want to tr- transition out of ownership, uh, it'll stay in the family, and he'll become the Browns' owner. But yeah, yeah, JW JW's awesome. You guys are gonna love him down there. He's 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 fantastic. Um what else was I gonna say about that? I think that was pretty much it. Um yeah, so it's gonna be completed mid twenty twenty one, so about you know, another two years pretty much. Um so hopefully they can uh kind of rebuild the team by then and, and go into the stadium with a pretty competitive squad. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the best part about it, too, is that you've got that, you know, kind of time frame built in. That, right. You know, if things go according to plan, you've got that time to kind of right the wrongs, figure out where the team's going, you know, get your get the right players for the right systems. That was part of it, too, is having a new coach and you've got players that, you know, maybe didn't fit the kind of system that he wanted to work. And now you get that going forward. You know what your plan is. You know that you're going to exist. Now you're basically focusing on the finer details and trying to field that competitive team. Right. Sure. All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that uh, update on the uh, Columbus uh, sports scene. I mean, we could get into Ohio State, but I know you two really don't want to. So. I mean, the only thing we really need to talk about is that they're better than everybody else. So, especially Michigan. But. Well, I mean, there's there's really no argument there. Yeah. (laughs) But. Okay. If you watch the game, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, you never know what can happen. I mean, you know, BG was a 27-point underdog and beat Toledo by 13 the other day. So There you go. That's a 40-point swing. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure Jordan and, remembered that and, down there in Columbus. And that was uh, oh, yeah, did. that's right. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I had to get it in at least once. Yes. There was uh, lots of swearing in my UPS truck. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's real quick. We're kind of running long on time, so I want to go go through the poll real quick, and then oh, I uh, about that. <laughs> and then we'll get into Jordan's uh, beer tour uh, that he did last weekend. So the poll of the week, um, I said my piece on the post game show. If you haven't heard, go back, check it out, listen. Shameless plug, Deerfield Gridiron post game show. Um, check that out. Steve Stefano and I uh, break down the uh, debacle that was Sunday. Um, what a where would you guys put the blame on the uh, on the loss? Would you, got, would you blame I'll, I'll the refs or, or would you blame the, I'll go first. a lot of the coaching? I'll go first. Um, I, I'm still putting this on some of the play calling and just some of the performance. Like, like the, the, what really sticks out of my mind is that interception that Landry basically caused. Um, there's no excuse for that. I, 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 I'm not going to stand here and say that the refs didn't play a part because they did. Yeah. And if you actually look at that compared with the Monday night football game, there's a serious problem with flags right oh, now. Oh, it's not just those NFL. two games. It's literally every too, single yeah. game. Yeah. And if you've looked, I, tweet, I retweeted it's really stat. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the amount of flags per game has gone up significantly even from last year. It's an average of between last year and the yeah. la, la, it's, it's gone up steadily like yeah. very, like, like a little, little, bit, a little bit yeah. every year but yeah. this year there's there's an average of three more penalties yeah. that, being yeah. called. That's what it was. That's what it was. Uh, um 
So let me just make that very clear. The Browns did get screwed. The Lions got screwed. I'm sure there's other teams that got screwed. Um, I mean, I even have, I've actually seen, I know a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and I've even seen some of them saying stuff how, like, both the Lions and the Browns got got a bad hand. So uh, you see a lot of big media people saying it, too. It's kind of just a fact at this point. I mean, it's not really a, a... it's not even obje- subjective. It's, right. it's objective. However, that doesn't excuse the fact that the Browns did some weird stuff, weird play calls, and that uh, the interception really sticks out in my mind. And I don't want to even pin that on Baker because I don't think that's fair to do to him. I don't think that was his fault. Um, unfortunately, that's not what the numbers are going to say. But right. um, So I, I, in, in, in conclusion, I, I still think it's on the Browns at this point. Gotcha. Uh, Hoff, did we able to watch the game? It's definitely, it's definitely a mix. Um, it's hard to overlook the officiating this year, in particular, just across yeah. the league. Like uh, you guys have been saying, it's it's getting to the point where, for me, I've never been a huge pro football fan. Like I've always been more college based. Yeah. I try to watch. You know, a little bit when I feel like I can with the Browns. Because, yeah, I, you know, I, I feel. I, I, bought, I, I bought into that offseason hype. Yeah, I feel you though, Jordan. That's generally how I am too. I get more into college, but but no, I, I yeah. Anyways, good. <laughs> but um, definitely, just watching it this year, watching some of the the calls, the non calls, the just you look at it and you you're just wondering how is it possible that even with a review, you can't get that right. You know, this is going to be the talk of the week, no matter what show it is. But on the same token, when you've got a guy like Nick Chubb, who's averaging an ungodly, what, like six yards, seven yards? <coughs> oh, yeah, something for, crazy. For carry, yeah. Games like that, you, you, you're on a short, a short down, and you're going to try to throw passes with, you know, I love Baker, but a guy that's, you know, unfortunately behind his receivers, not getting the time that he needs, whatever. Why are you not trusting easily who could be considered your best player right now yeah it it seems simplistic that you've got a guy like that just give him the ball and let him do what he does and you've got a coach who's trying to you know backpedal and say oh well i thought we could throw the ball and score and get the ball back and score again how about you just give it to the guy oh god let him do it (laughs) oh you mean this guy if you don't wear brown and orange you don't matter um, like it's it's yeah. hard. It's hard to watch a guy that you know you came in thinking you know such great things about, and watch him slowly kind of turning into a goat. And you know maybe it's just he's got to split up play calling and uh, and coaching, like you said in the post game. But something's got to happen there where either somebody's just got to smack him and say, "Look, you've got a guy who can run the ball. Let him run the ball, and then think about throwing it." Yeah, it's to me it's situationally so. The way the way that the Browns get down to the red zone to me doesn't like really matter. But once you get down to the red zone, I don't want to see uh, a quarterback who's struggling line up in a shotgun with five wide receivers and no running backs, no tight ends. I don't want to see it. Like you said, you have Nick Chubb is second in the NFL in rushing right now, only because Christian McCaffrey is having like a Barry Sanders esque season. Like just. Give Nick Chubb the ball inside the ten yard line, and the you know I I I don't I'm not really going to get back into it uh, at least on my end because I talked about it on the post game show and I'm just going to get all pissed off again. But <clears throat> to me, 
it's situationally. And, you know, I, I think we do have to remind ourselves that Freddie Kitchen still is a rookie head coach. This is the first, you know, first time he's doing this. But when you come into this season with all these expectations, most of them that you've put on yourself, I mean, the Browns are pretty, you know, voice for us out there in the offseason talking about how, you know, their offense can't be stopped and blah, blah, blah. And Baker's an, you know, Baker could be an MVP this year, which obviously now is not going to happen. But, um, you have to be able to back it up. So people don't care that Freddie Kitchens is a first-year head coach who's going to make mistakes. If you build yourself up that much, number one, people want to see it happen. And number two, when it doesn't happen, people are going to be that much quicker to, to tear you down. And that's what's happening right now. So, um, yeah, do you have uh, do you have the results? Did you yes, post them? I do. Okay. Uh, so on Twitter, 65% said this is on Freddie Kitchens. 35% said this is on the refs. On Facebook, 52% said this is on Freddie Kitchens. 48% said this is on the refs. I think it's really easy to, to point out the blame to the refs because we don't want to see the fault in the, in our team itself. Oh, of course, of course. That's like, why that's why every the, fan the calls, base every fan right. base claims the refs right. are against them. The calls were terrible, specifically the one at the goal line. But you know, we Nick Chubb had run the ball in, but Freddie Kitchens on the next play, Nick, Freddie, uh, Nick Chubb had run the ball in for a touchdown, but Freddie right. Kitchens threw the challenge flag. Right. And then they come out of the challenge, and Freddie Kitchens calls the exact same play. Which was bizarre. Which, <laughs> yeah. okay, like NFL coaches aren't stupid. If they see that, right. and then you, they see you come out in the exact same formation, they're going to overload the, the side where you just ran to. Right. So, you know, maybe a smart NFL coach would have come out with that same formation and then would have run a bootleg option to the other side and either drag the tight end across, or if it was if it was a naked bootleg, nobody's following Baker. He could have just ran it in himself. Right. But that's just me being a, a keyboard coach and a couch couch coach. <laughs> but doesn't, doesn't yeah, man. I uh, after ap- right after the game, I was heated with the with the refs, and I kind of let it show on uh, the post game show. But as we were going through the post game show, my anger kind of <laughs> pivoted to Freddie Kitchens, and that's. That's mostly where I lie right now. Um, I'm always going to blame the coach before the players, especially when the team uh, possesses as much actual raw talent as the Browns do. So um, for everybody saying you know everything's Baker's fault and all this, that's that's complete and utter BS. He's a second-year quarterback. He's a 23-year-old quarterback. Um, and he's not being helped out by, A, his teammates who are running wrong routes. Freddie Kitchen said that... One of the Browns players literally ran a route that they don't have in their playbook on one of the plays. Like, how yeah. how is that Baker's fault? Right, right, right. And then the coaching's not helping. So right. it's a mess right now. The, the, the bye week's coming at a good time. Hopefully they can right the ship. But when they come back from the bye week, they have to go up to freaking that house of horrors up in New England and play the Patriots. So That's not going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I digress. Wouldn't that be typical Browns football, though, to have all these bad things happen and then you, you know, you're fighting that underdog spot again, right? No oh, don't, do not plant that in my brain. Don't do it, because I'm going to start to believe it. <laughs> uh, you, you dirty temptress. <laughs> That's been his new saying yeah. lately. Uh, all right, so enough about the Browns before I get pissed off again. Um, Jordan. Yes, Gonzalez, sir. the one yes. next to me. Yes. 
you went on an East Side Brewery tour this weekend. Where'd you go, and what did you think? Yeah, so um, I found, my, found myself in Willoughby this weekend, and I decided I had my books with me, my uh, stamp, what is it called, the passports? Passport. And I decided to go to Willoughby uh, Brewing So, Company. real quick, uh, Jordan, I don't know if you guys have anything like this down in Columbus. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But we have, because there's so many breweries up here, um, the tourist organization, I guess that's what you would call them, the tourist organization, Yeah. came yeah, up with yeah. a uh, brewery passport where... You go. You have this booklet with you, and you take it to every brewery that you go to, and they stamp their logo. I'm a very bad representative for the city of Columbus because I have no <laughs> idea if we have something like this. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So um, there's an yeah, just kind of one of those offhand. I don't know. Yeah. So there is uh, uh, an app called Ohio on Tap, and it's actually a digital passport, so you can hit up all the Ohio breweries. Oh, well, there you so go. that's one thing for sure, but I don't know if Columbus has a booklet, like a physical booklet. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so I hit up Willoughby Brewing Company, which is in Willoughby, uh, and I also went to Brim Brewery. Thanks. <laughs> also went to Brim Brewery, which is in Willoughby as well. There's a um, tongue twister. Brim Brewery. Yeah, and it's, yeah, very unique brewery uh, as well. Uh, so Willoughby is a pretty traditional brewery, as in, you know, it has... Uh, your typical beers that you're going to find on most menus. It's actually, you know, it's one of the OG breweries in, in Cleveland. Huh. It's been around since 1999. Interesting. Yeah, it's it goes way back. So this is not just a new trendy place. Like this has been, this has been there for a while. Um, it's located in a really cool building. Uh, it almost looks like, it's probably like, it looks like it was probably like a either a warehouse or some sort of industrial yeah manufacturing building of some sort um but anyhow it's pretty cool and so i guess there's trying to they're they're looking to expand into some national markets soon so that's another cool little tidbit um but i i really like their beer they're famous for their peanut i think it's their peanut butter porter if i remember correctly i love a good peanut butter porter this is one of the best ones you'll ever have yeah it is utterly delicious okay um that's what they're famous for however they had a like a raspberry wheat that was incredible they had an i yeah it it was really it was exceptional (laughs) it was exceptional and then they had um i tried their ipa uh they're just like regular i i don't remember the name of it Um, but i tried that and it was very very good um I didn't have food, but the prices are really good, and apparently a lot of people love the food, and they have quite the menu. Um, it's a really big, open brewery, so there's plenty of room. It's a great place for, for parties, birthday yeah. parties, you know, whatever, you name it. Um, and they have a stage, and they're known for live music, I believe, on weeknights and even and weekends. Um and so yeah, it, it was it was a great it was a great time. I, I would rate it as one of the better breweries in Cleveland. I really respect how long it's been around. If you're in the area, stop by. This it's, is Brim. Uh, this is Willoughby. Willoughby, Willoughby right. Brewery. Uh, if you're in the area, stop by. It's a great experience. It's it's like a class. If you could if you could make if you could just do like Google. Give me a classic brewery yeah. experience. It's Willoughby Brewing, in my opinion. Yeah, I've always heard, um, I've always heard good things about <coughs> yeah. it, and uh, it always seems to get a lot of pub. Mm-hmm. So I've actually never been yep. there. So It's well worth the trip. 
Yeah. Um, so there's that. There was that was Willoughby. I had actually never been there before, uh, and I'm really glad I went. And the second stop, I did Brim, which is a very recently open brewery in Willoughby as well, just outside the main strip. Um, they have arguably one of the best rooftop patios in the city, huh. in my opinion. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, and inside, it's kind of set up more like fine dining to a certain okay. degree, or I guess modern, trendy dining. The prices also reflect that. It's While Willoughby's got food options from 8 to like $12 for the most part, uh, Brim has prices that push around 13 14 all the way up to like 25 so they're a little pricier and the whole purpose of brim is they're actually their whole like i said the whole idea is they really get into food and beer pairing so they have they take the food very seriously at brim i also didn't get food here because i was very full and i did not even want to eat yeah but from what i understand the food is very good uh-huh. it's it's more fancy, you know, they, you can tell that they put a, a huge effort into the food aspect of it. The beer was also good. Uh, the Oktoberfest was very unique. It was very, very different from yeah. what I'm used to in an Oktoberfest. And I had... How um, so? It, it was like almost... You know how Oktoberfest kind of have like a little bit of a bite? Yeah. It had like no bite like that. Right. It was smoother. Huh. And... I don't want to say sweeter, but it was just, I don't really know how to describe it, to be honest. You would have to try it. Uh, I recommend it. Um, I'll be honest, the New England IPA I tried did not hit the spot. I don't know what was wrong with it, but there was something wrong with it. I have a feeling it was probably a little old. The, I had I had the I had the New England IPA uh, Goldhorn after you left last yeah. week. It was really good. Yeah, no, that one, that one's great. <clears throat> at, at Goldhorn is phenomenal, and I don't want to talk trash about it because I'm sure this beer is actually very good. I, I must have just had like an old I, some, something was off. I don't yeah. know what, or it's just not the way I'm used to. Yeah, and that's fine. But the the Oktoberfest was great. This is a place to go for a birthday party in the summer. I, in fact, it's actually what I'm thinking about doing for my birthday next year. Like, Ooh. that patio on the roof is amazing. Um, so, yeah, Brim and Willoughby, both are in Willoughby. Uh, go check them out. Yeah. They were great. I had a great time. And there's so many other places. You know, there's a barrio out there. There's tons right. of stuff out there. So Right. Yeah, that's the reviews of the week. Cool. All right. Well, uh, before we uh, talk about our plans for the weekend and get on out of here, um, what... Uh, what event's coming up? It's uh, next week? Yeah. It's Wait. Uh, it's actually this Thursday, I think. No, it's, it's or, the 24th. No, no, it's next my Thursday. Bad, my bad. Next Thursday. <clears throat> What's next Thursday, Jordan? So, next Thursday, as well as Friday, is the 2019 Christmas Sale First Pour. Yeah. At Great Lakes Brewery. This, I don't, I assume throughout the nation this is a thing too, but this is a really big... <gasps> This is a really big tradition in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, probably one of the bigger beer releases in the city, I would say, from what yeah. I've gathered. Um, so I put down the phrase, an annual Cleveland tradition quite unlike any other. Oh, look at you with your golf terminology. Mm, look at that. Uh, the brewery will be opening... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> the brewery will be opening at 11 a.m. With Santa himself bringing, Santa. breaking out the first keg at 11.30. Uh, 
Get so that's drunk when you with can, Santa. That's when you can literally taste the first pour. Uh, throughout the day, there's going to be Christmas ale-themed foods. Uh, Great Lakes, by the way, is very big into food and beer pairings. They're another brewery that really focuses on that. Um, and Brew Nuts is going to be there as well, and they're going to have special themed donuts. Pictures with Santa are going to be from 4 to 7 p.m. And just so you know, it's draft only available at the bar uh, on the 24th. There will be no yeah, growlers. You yeah, you yeah. can't. You, you can't, can't get a growler. Yet. You can't even get a crowler. They don't you even have a can yet. It. Right, yeah. exactly. However, if you want to get your bottles, let's say perhaps that's all you care about. You don't want the... It, I will say it's very crowded. It's a fun atmosphere. Oh, yeah. It is a great atmosphere, but it is very crowded, so be aware. Um, the first bottles will be available the next day, the 25th, only from the gift shop. Bottles will be available citywide after October 28th. Uh, we'll throw a link for more information, but this is a very fun event. Me and Dan have gone, I think, two years in a row mm -hmm. at this point, yeah. and we're planning to go again. Uh, it's, it's a great time. So, there's that. Hoff, have you ever had a uh, Great Lakes Christmas sale? Oh, it's uh, it's one of my favorites this coming time of year. Oh, I yeah. am definitely a big fan. Yeah. Would it, would, uh, would it be your favorite Christmas sale? I haven't had too many, so by default, I'd probably have to say yes. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely one that would be hard to top. Yeah. If that'll... I hijack it for a second and come full circle, I am actually going to throw a bit more forgiveness uh, toward Mr. Gonzo with his brew dog snafu. <laughs> uh, because I forgot to mention that the Blue Jackets actually have, I believe, a three year agreement with Brewdog, and they are now going to have Cannon Blast and there you go. Pale Ale. There's the local twist. At Nationwide Arena. So, <laughs> interesting. Look at that. I can see how he would think it's a local company. Look at him trying to save you. There you go. Even though it says uh, Scotland right on hey, the packaging. But it does say brewed in Ohio. Okay. It literally has the Ohio silhouette thing. All right. Anyway, uh, we've, <laughs> we've gone on long enough. Yes. Uh, everyone's sick of us. Let's uh, let's talk about our moves this weekend. So, uh, Hoff, what are you doing down in uh, Columbus this weekend? Well, um, I don't know if you could hear it, but I'm actually getting over a little bit of some throat sickness here. Uh, I heard it as I heard it as you were going through the CBJ stuff because you were talking pretty much the whole time. Yeah, got a little dry there, but uh, we've had a couple of uh, colds going through the house, so I'm getting over that, but uh, I'm actually heading out, uh, I'll, I'll brace myself for booze, heading out to Pittsburgh. Boo! <laughs> hey, I actually like Pittsburgh, so I'm not going to boo. What? If it's, didn't if it's like any, Pitts Nobody if it's likes Pittsburgh. Actually, I, I do like actually... Pittsburgh. <laughs> the, the teams suck. I hate the Penguins. I hate the Steelers, but... Okay. <laughs> yeah. If there's any solace, it's actually that it's uh, the township of Cranberry where my parents live. Uh, so we're actually heading out there so they can uh, see our newest little addition to the family page. Oh, uh, nice. And uh, just trying to get out of the city for a little bit. Yeah, no, I hear you. Is that where your parents live now? Yes, so my dad's uh, work took him out that way. Um, I think soon they'll probably be back in Ohio. I'm not sure if it'll be Medina, Cleveland, uh, or Columbus, but uh, I'm, I'm sensing they're probably on their way back soon. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, cool. Well, uh, uh, take a leak uh, publicly in that city for me. 
Um, oh, my mom has already invited me to a Penguins practice, and uh, I plan on potentially going just so I can try to harass Sidney Crosby. So. Wait, does your mom work for the Penguins? Uh, no, but their practice arena is in Cranberry, so as she calls it uh, lunch with the guys, she'll go and hang out at the practices. Oh, nice. She, she says it's because it reminds her of me and, you know, playing oh, yeah, hockey yeah. and the fact that Sidney Crosby and I are the same age, but uh, yeah. very drastically different in so many ways. Yeah. Would, would you say Sidney Crosby? Stupid idiot! Oh, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> you just made the list! And, uh... Dan. What? Oh. Wait a second. I what? just realized something. Oh, never mind. What'd I'm, you realize? I'm zoning out. I thought we were talking about the weekend plans. Already. We are. Oh, wow. We yeah. are. Sorry. Dan, what? <laughs> what are your weekend plans? That's not what the segment's called. <laughs> what's the move? Thank Dan, you, Jordan. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Uh, oh, man. So I have... Yikes. Uh, I, usually I say, oh, I don't really have much going on. I'm just kind of going with the flow. Blah, blah, blah. My brother's getting married this weekend. So I have... Woo! Yeah, right? Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so I've got a pretty packed weekend. Uh, we've got family coming in from all over, uh, starting Wednesday, Thursday ish, staying through like Monday. So um, gonna be with the fam all weekend. Pretty excited about it. Just got done writing my best man speech, so we'll see how that goes. Gonna make fun of the little bro for a little bit, as big bros do. Um, and uh, yeah, so. That'll be fun. That's gonna take up my whole weekend. That's that. Weddings are fun. Oh, yeah. like they're stressful, but they're generally fun. Yeah. Oh man, if you you've been around my family for at all for the last six months, you know how stressful it's been. So, but Jordan. That's right. Um, que es la muva? We watch a lot of baseball. El um, baseball. As the Yankees and the Astros keep going at it. Um, I don't think I have anything official planned for Friday. Um, Saturday, we're probably go- me and my family and Teresa are probably going to Amish country. Actually, oh nice, yeah. So Love we, Amish we, country. it's like the perfect time to go. So yeah. we want to go do the Amish oh, country yeah. thing. Um, I don't really think I have anything else official planned after that. Um, I don't usually do a ton on Sundays. So this past Sunday, I actually did more than I usually ever do. So, right. But yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy aside from the Amish country plans. I'm sure I'll do something uh, Saturday night, but we'll see. Yeah. Now that I'm healed and not deathly ill anymore. Right. All right, guys. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Hoff down there in Columbus, we appreciate uh, you coming on with us. Thanks so much. Not a problem. Glad to be back. Absolutely. Tell all your friends about us down ca- there. I've got some catching up to do. Hannah's ahead of me by about 10 episodes, so I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to closing that gap a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's on a lot, but she's usually good when she's on, and we appreciate it. So She gives us the female oh, flavor. We talked about The Bachelor like, like two weeks ago. Oh, that was a great episode. I know. Yeah, The Old Bachelor. Yeah, well, anyway. Um, but yeah, like I said, <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, tell tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Uh, at Jordan the Hoff. Oh, that's uh, a cool name. Twitter and 
that's uh, where you'll probably hear me whining about stuff or maybe yeah. uh, throwing out a hockey jersey that I just found. Yeah, Jordan's usually talking about uh, hockey or making fun of Republicans. So Hockey? What? That's right. Big hockey guy over there. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, you can follow us uh, at the LOTL podcast. Um, you can listen to us as you are on one of the three platforms we're on. Uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you follow us on any of those, give us a like, follow, review, uh, rating, all that good stuff. We truly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, check out our website, lotlpodcast.com, for embedded links for all of our episodes. Otherwise, we post it on social media um, uh, the day after we record it. So uh, look for the post uh, in the morning, which you're seeing right now. So. Um, but anyway, uh, we're going to take off because we've been talking for a long time and, uh, we will catch you guys next week. Uh, hopefully special guests next week. We've got, um, one of Jordan's cousins. Uh, we're going to be talking some esports, some, some gaming and, uh, all that good stuff with, uh, what's your cousin? Cousin's name? Uh, Caleb. Caleb. So we'll be with Caleb. Isn't he like. Like he goes by like the pineapple. So his he's gamer long tag story, and I will let him explain okay. it for himself. But yeah, pineapple freak is his name. Yeah, that's Tune like in. his. It's essentially a stage name. But yeah. <laughs> he also has a podcast called Wholesome Transmissions. You can find it on Spotify and places like that, uh, where he talks about uh, esports, uh, specifically around the Nintendo Switch platform and a game called Arms. And he also likes to really get into like mental health and how and and, and other social topics that affect uh, gamers. Oh, so so will we be talking about LeBron? We will not be talking about LeBron. <laughs> Caleb probably is the least sports knowledgeable person I know. Got it. So wow, just be aware of that. And you know a lot of <laughs> you know a lot of nerdy sports non sports people. That, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Caleb, so ch- yeah. check out check that out for next week, and uh, we will be with you guys then. So uh, yeah. for. For the Jordans, Gans, my normal co-host, Jordan, our Columbus correspondent, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, and we will catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.